What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Amy Eaton. So Amy, uh, what is it exactly that you do? Hey, well, I am a photographer, uh, more turned educator. So I teach photography to business owners, creative business owners mostly. So uh, primarily makers, artists, people looking to sell their creative work online. Um, I teach them how to take photos to effectively sell their stuff, basically. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's interesting. How, like, would you say you like majority of what you do is, is definitely in the education side more so than actual photography or is it kind of a blend? I went through a period of time in which it was mostly just teaching and I didn't do anything of my own really. I actually yeah. went through, <laughs> this is probably a little deep for so early in the conversation, but I went through a little bit of a crisis of faith in terms of my ability as a creative. Um, I had worked as a working photographer for many years and struggled a lot and then made my way to this business now and kind of took the opportunity to just step away from photography entirely because I really was just feeling a little downtrodden about my creative abilities. Uh, and then just last summer, I, I rediscovered all of that. And now I, I still don't take on product photography client work. I just focus on teaching my students that, but I have started doing so much, um, personal creative work and some photography projects and just really exploring my artistic vision as a photographer, kind of like separate from teaching. Ah, uh, and that's, so that's kind of got you more excited about photography again? Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. I really had lost my love for it for a while, um, at least doing it myself. I always certainly appreciated photography as an art form, but I really struggled with it myself. And even when I did pick up my camera, it felt really just, it, it always felt like work. Even if I wasn't taking photos for clients, even if I was just taking photos of my children with my, you know, DSLR camera. And then I looked at them afterwards. I was just kind of like, these look like catalog photos. <laughs> I <laughs> feel nothing when I look at these, and these are my own children. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of looked at ways to, to reignite that creativity and, and it happened. It, it was a journey. <laughs> I can relate. I, I started the art pays me brand sort of after going through a phase similar to that I was just so bored with everything I was doing and frustrated with the industry in general and I just wanted some different like I was like am I even good at this like should I be doing this I should just drop out of the industry altogether and but then came back around so oh yeah and I I really resonate with that and I think I wonder if a lot of creatives do mm-hmm I talked to quite a few creatives on my podcast too. And I feel like this is something that a lot of us encounter at some point or time or another, we kind of have this moment where we're like, is this even worth it? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, mm. yeah. So uh, Amy, where are you currently based? I am based in the Annapolis Valley in Nova Scotia. 
Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm so thrilled to say that. I lived in Ontario for almost 10 years. Um, you know, like many Nova Scotian kids, I grew up here, went to university here, and then it's hard to find work. So I left for Ontario and lived there for about 10 years. And then it was the evolution of my business to this point of teaching courses online that enabled me and my family to be able to move back here because I my business is online and I have students from all over the world. So I'm not reliant on money and income from Nova Scotia per se. Uh, so it allows me to live here, you know, and be able to make money globally. So it's, it's nice that way. And it's just so good to be home. I was so happy to be able to move back to Nova Scotia. Yeah. How, how recently did you move? Uh, it was 2017. It's still, okay feels like it was recent but it wasn't i guess at this point but yeah it was a uh, it was just the one of the best things in my life when i got to move home yeah right where did you go to school i went to school at mount st vincent university in halifax okay cool yeah cool. yeah i loved it i had an amazing university experience and even though I went to school for something completely unrelated to what I actually do now, I still have no regrets. It was so great. And I learned, I mean, I think in university, you learn a lot of kind of passive things. I feel like the things you learn in university about life and yourself are far outweigh probably what you even learn just in class. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, transferable skill that we actually take for granted and, and don't appreciate as much until after sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how have um, like you coped through the pandemic? I've coped. <laughs> I mean, I feel <laughs> like uh, in a lot of ways we've had it, we've had it really good here in Nova Scotia. And I try to keep perspective, especially right now, of course, at the time of this recording, we're in a lockdown, which we haven't had in so long. We've done yeah. so well for so long. And I think being this close to seeing some light at the end of the tunnel and then having all of this happen here has been, has really taken its toll. And, you know, it's really funny. I was just, I've been talking to a lot of people lately and I think we're all experiencing this same underlying feeling of just not depression, but just, I don't even know what the word for it is. Maybe you do, but it's just kind of like underneath the coping and the day-to-day -day and just trying to get through the day, there's kind of this heaviness that you're just yes. like, when is this going to be over? Is it going to be over? Is life ever going to be the same? What, you know, what will define this as being over and, and how will our lives be different? Um, and those questions, you know, even though you're kind of going through your day-to-day -day and you're working and you're, you know, doing this and doing that, it's always in the back of your mind. And that really, it's heavy. It's hard. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I haven't quite found the word for it either, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. And I find like it takes a real toll on creativity as well. It's funny. I found that it's really gone in waves. I don't know if you have found this, but I found that it's really gone in waves. There's been times when I felt incredibly creative because it's my outlet. It's kind of the only thing that I can cling to in some moments. And then there's other times when I just, I don't have it in me. And I just riding that wave is just all you can really do at this point. Definitely. It's been up and down for me too. I'm, I'm in a low right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, there were times when I was like, Oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to draw every day during the pandemic. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then I just one day hit a wall and like, no, I'm, I, I don't want to do anything, but watch TV. 
whatever. Oh, yes. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I do as well. I go through times where I'm like playing music and reading and writing and taking photos. And then, and then I just am like, give me, give me the remote. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What can I binge watch uh, today? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so um, were you always, you said you, you went to school for something different. Were you always sort of creative throughout your life? You know, I was for sure. Um, I didn't realize it until kind of this weird journey that I started last summer when I kind of went through and thought a lot about my childhood and it was I creative because I'd always told myself I wasn't. Uh, and then when I thought back to childhood, I realized that really I was, I mean, I was always like, you know, sewing things for whatever reason and uh, drawing, never really good at it, but did it anyway. And uh, as soon as I got my first camera and I don't even know how old I was young, like maybe eight or nine. And that was, I just wanted, I just took photos of everything, everything I could think of. And I always have been into photography. So I think it was always there. I don't know if it was really super acknowledged by myself or anyone around me, like my parents or teachers or anything like that. I don't know if creativity is nurtured the way it should, the way I feel at least it should be for children as a whole. But um, it's kind of just like, oh, that's nice. That's nice that you're creative, but it's not something that I know, I think anyone's really cheerleaded on about and say, wow, this is great. This could be a thing for you. Yay. Like, look at what you've created. That's amazing. It's more just kind of like a, a side note of, well, that's lovely. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have always been creative, but um, I, I didn't really think about it much until just recently. But I, I, yeah, I was always creating things and taking photos and um, really into reading and writing and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's cool. I and I agree. I, I actually find myself trying to consciously remind myself with, of that with my children because mm -hmm. I've got one daughter who is very outwardly creative and artistic in the most obvious ways but then my youngest is less so but then every now and then she'll show me a drawing that she did and I I have to remember like even though she doesn't consider herself artistic I'm like she's trying to show me that she is being artistic so I want to um, encourage her as much as I encourage my my typically creative child too so it's um yeah it's, it's interesting I love that yeah and I'm thinking about my children too I have two they're four and two so it's still really young but uh my oldest is creative in so many ways he loves to build things so that might not outwardly be a sign of creativity I suppose like he's not painting pictures and stuff although he does also do that but he's really into building pretty elaborate lego structures and they're oh, that's cool. very creative. So I think, yeah, I appreciate you saying that because that makes me see and think of it. I think we all should do that. Think of creativity in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, just really, I, I want to make sure that I, as a parent do that as well, really, really cheerlead my kids for whatever they do, obviously, but especially with art and creativity, because it's just such a gift to be able to express yourself in that way and I just feel like I want to make sure that they know that that is a real legitimate talent and if they wanted to pursue it professionally they can and they should and that it is valued in the same way that we value academics and athletics and you know 
and that kind of stuff. Right, right. How how old are your kids? Uh, my son is four and my daughter is two and they both just turned four and two, you know, within the last month and a half. So, uh, they're just, they're just little still. They're in that age where everything is creative. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's Eating a, dinner that's a... is creative. <laughs> Let's paint <laughs> the dinner table. Yeah. It, it's fun. <laughs> cool. Um, so tell me about your podcast, uh, Bold Company. Yeah, Bold Company is my podcast. I I love it. It, It's funny because it's not, um, it's a passion project. So it's not necessarily a direct moneymaker in any way. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I started it last year. I wanted to have a podcast for a really long time because when I was first starting out in this chapter of my entrepreneurship journey uh, with creating online courses and teaching photography, uh, I was really into podcasts. I was living in Toronto. My commute was horrendous. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts, just trying to get through the drive. And they were all, you know, business oriented. So, and they were so inspiring just to hear people talking about what kinds of businesses existed and what things people were doing. And it was really inspiring for me. It made me feel empowered. Like if they can do it, there's no reason I can't do it. I just have to figure it out, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I can do it too. And so that really moved me to want to have a podcast that could do the same for other people. Um, So I created Bold Company and I really just wanted it to be informal conversations with creative entrepreneurs, you know, mm-hmm. course creators, or not necessarily course creators. I've had a couple of course creators on, but like photographers and makers and artists and writers and all manner of different genres mm-hmm. talking about business and creativity. And it's just been amazing. The conversation, and I, I think like you, we have no plan for the conversation when people (laughs) join and the conversations go in the most amazing directions because we're just kind of winging it. It's just, it's really just like we're sitting down and having coffee and then I just, my audience gets to listen on what that, what that's like. And, um, it has been, it has been really great. I've loved it. Cool. So like why the name bold? Is it, because of like the the bravery it takes to to sort of jump out there? Definitely. Multifaceted, (laughs) the reason Mm -hmm. behind uh, the word bold. I thought of a lot of, you know, I don't know about you, I stew over naming anything, like any any courses, podcast, anything I just, you know, agonize forever about what this name is going to be. This one kind of popped into my brain just as I was, I think I was putting my daughter to bed or something and it just kind of leapt into my mind. But the bold piece is really around, yes, the boldness of putting yourself out there as a creative, also the boldness of living this lifestyle, because this is such a different life than people with more conventional and traditional jobs have. And it does take a matter of boldness. I think, um, I don't know if it's society or our parents or whoever are kind of like, well, you should get the stable job and you should have a pension and you should have health benefits and all of these things. Uh, and, and there's kind of, there's a boldness in saying, yeah, I get that, but I think I'm going to go a different direction (laughs) Mm -hmm. and kind of forging a path through something that is a little bit scary and not really, and it's never a sure thing. And, but you do it because it's the only thing that feels right (laughs) to you. And, uh, there's a real boldness in that. And the word brave is something I thought, but every time I hear brave, I think of like 
first responders and, and there's, you know, soldiers like in that kind of bravery. And there's, there's a different, I think that the nuance of the word bold is more like we have the audacity to live a life that's very different than, than convention. And I don't know. I like it. Got you. Yeah. It's a great name actually. How many episodes are you at now? 19 just published 19 today. Yeah. Um, I do it in seasons. So the first season was 10 episodes. That was last year. And, Mm. uh, and now I'm in the second season. It's going to be longer. I actually don't know if I want to stop and I might not. We'll see. It's very, because it's a passion project. I really just go with what feels right. Um, I'm on a, going to take a brief hiatus now as I'm getting ready for, I'm doing some really big overhauling behind the scenes of my course. So there's a ton of work and of course a lockdown. So no childcare. <laughs> so yeah. we're kind of paring back things that aren't, you know, super necessary. So the podcast going on a brief hiatus and then, uh, we're going to dive back in really soon. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I will be showing up on there sometime soon. I know. I'm excited. You'll be my first interview after the hiatus. Yes, yes. Um, um, I debate whether or not I want to do this seasonally or take breaks because it's a, it's a, I do every week and it's, um, it's a lot sometimes. Yeah. It's a content wheel for sure. You're constantly trying to keep it going. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, kind of. I'm either always way ahead or I'm behind, and or like just, just making it. I'm I'm in a just making it stage right about now. Uh, uh, yeah, I understand that. I really do. <laughs> I think we all are a little bit. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, and it can feel it can take the joy out of it when you feel like you're constantly having to put something out there. That's why I really, when I started out, I wanted to give my op, myself the seasons in a way to just take the step back when I felt like I needed a break from it. And that's exactly my thought too. It's like, I think that might end up being the way for me too, because you can kind of batch your interviews and then focus on other stuff for a bit and then get back to it. And rather than it like constantly being a thing all the time. So yeah, I mean, burnout's a real thing. Burnout is real. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of that too, I noticed you also put pretty good energy into other forms of content through your business. Mm-hmm. Like how, how do you find that is helping you out? I think that it's helpful. So I have my, my Instagram is where I show up the most personally. Um, I, and even that over the last week or two has kind of gone in a dip because again, it's, you know, we're just trying to get, to get through it all right now with all this work going on behind the scenes. But, um, so that's where, and the reason I love showing up on Instagram a lot is because that's where I really connect with my people mm-hmm. and I really focus on it being a place where I can build relationships with, with the people who follow me, with my students, with potential students, with people who want to learn. Uh, some people will find me on YouTube. I do have a YouTube channel that has been on a hiatus for a while as well. Um, but YouTube, like the great thing about YouTube is that the content grows on YouTube. Like with mm-hmm. Instagram, you put a post up and it's dead after two days. No one's ever going to see it again. (laughs) And then, but on YouTube, you continue to amass new views all the time. Um, So that's really great. So people are continuing to find me through that, even if I'm not always churning out new stuff, which I really love, but then they'll come to me on Instagram and then I get a chance to get to know them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, excuse me, I, 
do have, you know, a fairly sizable audience. I'd like it to be bigger. It's, it's obviously a work in progress, but, um, I, I, but I want to feel like I know them. So obviously it's great to have a massive following because then you in theory make quote more money. But for me, I, I want to feel a little bit more involved than maybe other online course creators. I like knowing who, like, I want to see their photos. I want people to post them and tag me in them so I can say, Hey, that's amazing. You've done a great job and answering questions. And so Instagram has been a really great platform for me in that way that I can connect with people more there. And, um, yeah, like share, share my energy around and enthusiasm for and cheerlead them because I am such a fan of the creative world in terms of makers and artists and, and anyone who does any kind of creation and sells things online, like especially product-based, if you put something out there, that's, uh, that you could buy that's tangible. Like, first of all, I probably want to buy it. And <laughs> second mm-hmm. of all, I probably want to, you know, share it and let people know how great you are and tell you how much I love your new product line and things like that. I just, uh, that, and maybe that's a little bit the, the Nova Scotian in me and that we're really about community, but sure. that, extends to my work online, even in a place where it feels like community is often not achievable in such a large scale. But for me, that's just really important. So I try really hard to um, connect as much as I can as my audience is growing. I mean, it's still not, it's not massive right now. I have like 7,000 followers on Instagram and 10,000 people on my email list. Like, so it's, it's big, it's big by some people's standards and small Mm -hmm. by others. But as I grow and scale larger and larger, I just really feel like I want to still have a connection to people. So yeah, right. Instagram is my jam for that, for sure. Um, Facebook, on the other hand, is not my jam. And I have an assistant <laughs> who posts on Facebook for me. So I look like I'm on Facebook, but I personally am not on Facebook. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. How are you? Um, like, did you get into this, the the teaching space through sort of like B-school or something like that? I didn't actually, I never did take B school. Um, I really kind of figured it out on my own, but I did have somebody helping me. I guess what happened. I'm trying to like venture back to four years ago. I was creating this course. I found somebody who I met online, who uh, had some experience as an online business manager for course creators. So she had Mm. some sense of how this all works and I didn't have any money. So I, I did an exchange. I took some branded photos for her, like with props and things like that, you know, that she could use on her Instagram. Uh, We kind of did a trade and she helped me with my first launch and really, you know, let me know how it all works and what kinds of things I need to have in place and what I should expect in terms of enrollment rates based on how many people sign up and how, you know, how the the whole flow of the thing goes. Um, so she was really helpful and that was really a great education to start off with. And then from there, I've just, you know, a variety of different things, little pieces here and there of learning about, you know, Facebook ads and email lists. And I've taken a few courses. I've had some consultations and, things like that. But I have never taken a s- actual course on how to build and sell online courses. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what kind of uh, courses do you offer? They're all pretty much centered around photography. So my flagship course is Snap, Sell, Succeed. That's like the beginning and end. It's the full picture. <laughs> it's okay. all the things. Um, we cover everything that's that, uh 
creative would need to know to sell their products or artwork online, um, like editing, styling, lighting, the setups, uh, how to take creative photos, you know, lifestyle photos and all of that stuff. Uh, and then I have some courses that are broken down, um, like how to use your DSLR camera, how to edit a photo. Um, I have a photo, uh, sorry, I have a course on how to use Instagram as a maker and Mm -hmm. just a few smaller courses, but my, my main course is snap cell succeed. And it is, uh, the full package. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And mm-hmm. what do you, what would you say you enjoy most about the teaching part? I love it when my students have any kind of win, like any, any kind of win, even if they just post a photo in our group. So with Snapsell Succeed, there's also a learning community that is hosted that they're in. They can ask questions, post photos for feedback. If they take a photo they're really excited about, especially if they've been struggling with photos for a long time, that is so rewarding for me to see them be successful for maybe the first time in taking a great photo. And then from there, things start to happen in their business. They start to get featured by, you know, influencers, and then they get a huge burst in sales or growth. And then, um, you know, over time, their sales increase. And then I see them start to do things like hire someone to build them a website, like, and suddenly their businesses are growing into really great, sustainable businesses. And I know that, you know, it's their hard work and there's a lot of pieces that go into it, but it's their product photography that really unlocked a lot of that for them, mm-hmm. uh, or at least enabled all of those pieces to come together. And that's really, that's really tremendously rewarding. And the other piece to it is also a lot of my students end up loving photography. Like when they first sign up, they hate it. <laughs> this is a common theme, hate right. photography, don't want to do it. It's the worst thing ever for their business. Um, but then they start to love it and they take their camera on vacation and they take their photos and share them with me. And all of a sudden I'm looking at their Instagram. They're taking like these really beautiful landscape photos and it starts to kind of bleed into other areas of their life. And all of a sudden they have found this love for a craft that I love. And Mm -hmm. it's not something that's a thorn in their side anymore, but like an extension of their own creativity. And that is, that's also really rewarding for sure. Wow. That's, that's cool. So it's like, uh, Oh yeah, I have to do this thing for my business or whatever, but now it's like, actually, uh, I actually really enjoy this. Exactly. Yeah. And then they have a whole new outlet for, and maybe it's more of a hobby, you know, it can be hard as a, as I'm sure, you know, as a working creative professional to feel like you're constantly having to churn out things to make money with your creativity. So it can be really nice to have a creative outlet that is not based in making money to just kind of flex those creative muscles in and keep that, creativity flowing if it's not your money maker just kind of having that that's just for you and if kind of like artistic fine art or landscape photography or whatever can become that for them then that is a real great side effect of yeah. my course yeah yeah so what are some of the challenges you face in your do you consider what you do a business because I, I I like asking creators this question do you do you consider yourself a business I do. Yeah, very much so. That can be hard. Um, But I think for a long time, I consider myself a business first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And I'm just now starting to consider myself both a creative and a, and a business at the same time. 
Mm, okay. So what would you say are the key challenges for you? I think that there's a lot. Uh, I'll be honest, it's not easy. Of course it's not. We all know that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's not always easy. And there's a lot of shifting landscape in the world, especially of online business. Things that worked yesterday don't work today. So constantly trying to figure out how to grow uh, in an an always shifting internet landscape is tough. Um, The other thing that I find toughest person, like I mentioned how important community is to me and kind of finding that balance between wanting to grow and also still wanting to have that intimate feel with people at the same time. I mean, when I look at people who have scaled their businesses up to like a million, two million, $10 million, I'm sure they don't have a lot of direct contact with their people. (laughs) They probably, I mean, how could they? There's so many. Um, And I don't think I'll ever get to that point, at least certainly not 10 million, um, Mm -hmm. because I want to still have that connection. I don't don't know if I would want to grow to a size, even if I could, um, that would have me so removed from the people because it's the people that I love getting to know and feeling connected to and actually really seeing their progress and, and feeling like I I'm experiencing that with them. That's something that's important to me. So I do find striking that balance really tough. It's, it's always really a tough one. So those two things for sure is is the biggest challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. I can relate to that too. Very, very closely. Um, Mm. I, I do consulting work too. So I'm like, you know, part of the juice is me working with these people as a consultant, but I could also free up a lot of my time if I hired someone to do that for me. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I hired two people this year and I had to really figure out what I was comfortable handing off and what I wasn't because I was afraid it would make me too removed. I haven't handed off my Instagram because I want to still feel connected to people. Mm -hmm. Um, I did hand off my customer service because I didn't feel like that was a strength of mine. And, and my, uh, customer service assistant is amazing at it. So she gets to be an Mm -hmm. extension of me and takes better care of my people than I would have, because it's hard to, handle all of that stuff on a day-to-day basis, it pulls your focus away from doing the growth work and trying to, you know, create a new course or revamp the course that you have and do better for your students with the role that I do, which is kind of the more actual creating of things that in, in the teaching and all of that. So by being able to hand off some of these other things have been really helpful, but yes, it's a matter of figuring out what you can hand off while still feeling like you're honoring what's important to you in business and then outsourcing other things. (laughs) Right. Right. Good points. Uh, So if there's some advice you would give any creative entrepreneur out there, what would that be? I think my biggest piece of advice for any creative entrepreneur is to do not ever listen to the people who tell you that being a creative entrepreneur is unrealistic. Um, never limit yourself. And the starving artist is a myth and a lie. (laughs) And we should all like, I love the name of your podcast art pays me because I think that's really an important message. So many people, uh, do 
grow up with the idea of the starving artist or parents or teachers or whoever who said, well, you need to have a real job and creativity can be a real job. I think as a creative community, we need to collectively say, hello, we are worth money and we Mm -hmm. demand income for our talents. And if we weren't here doing all of this creative stuff, this world would be a very bland and boring place. So (laughs) thank you very much. We'll take our money now. And I think that, yeah, if we can really uh, all decide together (laughs) that we're going to make money and it, it, you know, multiple income streams is a good thing. And, you know, finding ways to be creative and still make a sustainable living is absolutely possible. It's just something that we have to commit to and pursue and, and not give up and don't give into those voices that tell you that it's not real or it doesn't, it's never going to pay you or whatever. Love it. Mm. Uh, so what's next for you? Do you have anything that uh, you want to promote? Well, I, I do. Actually, sure. Yeah. When will this air? Do you know? Um, probably in the next three weeks, I think. Oh, well, this is great timing then because I am hosting the my Brilliance Project. So last year I hosted a project called The Brilliance Project and it was kind of birthed from my rediscovering the creativity around photography and also wanting to nurture a love for photography in makers and artists who are having to take the photos for their business. So I created a a 14 day project for them to really discover creativity and joy in product photography. So that rather than it be like, the thing that they hate to do after they've created something, it's more like the cherry on top of their creative process is kind of photographing it at the end. So um, it's totally free and I'm not sure I'm doing a full 14 days, but it will be, you know, either five days or a week or maybe 14 days. I haven't quite completely ironed out all of the details for this second edition of the brilliance project, but it is coming up at the end of May. So uh, anyone who wants to join in, please do. It is, it was amazing last year. I mean, people are still have, found friends through it and are still friends. And, um, there was a lot of, uh, aha moments, I think for people throughout it. Cause we also talk a little bit about branding and how that plays into your photos and how you can be more creative with your photos when you have a sense of who your ideal customers are and what might attract them. And there was a lot of uh, fun stuff that goes into it. So really cool. looking forward to it. Nice. Nice. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find you online? They can find me on my website, uh, which is amytakespictures.com. And I'm on Instagram at amy.takes.pictures. And then, uh, you know, Facebook, uh, you can just search Amy Eaton. I'll pop up. I think it's Amy Eaton, comma, photographer. And then, of course, I'm on YouTube and Pinterest and all those other fun places. So really, if you if you just go on any of those and search Amy Eaton, you'll probably find me pop up. <laughs> cool. Sounds good. Uh, Amy, thank you for jumping onto the Art Pays Me podcast and uh, look forward to getting to know you a little better as, as things go on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be on a podcast, period, but to be on one that is hosted by someone here in my home province is extra special. So thank you. Yes, indeed. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langey Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up 
on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at ArtPaysMe on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.